A conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So no matter what the conversation's about, it's not for nothing. Hello and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson and my preferred pronouns are he, him, and his. And today we are continuing our conversation of exploring pride and what that means for people, different people and different members of the LGBTQ plus community and what their relationship to it is and sort of has it changed or has it ever existed at all. And today my guest is Alex Kim Yan. Hi. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are and you? I'm wonderful. And if I may ask, what are your preferred pronouns? My pronouns are they, them, theirs. They, them, theirs. Perfect. I started this last week because I was, um, last week's episode was with my friend who is transgender. And I, it just sort of occurred to me that more and more people are starting to, um, have that conversation of what are your preferred pronouns. And I actually went on a job interview a couple of years ago with, two cisgendered women who they and they were straight as well and they asked me my preferred pronouns gave me theirs and there was no there was no um differentiation between assigned at birth and this and that and anybody but it was just becoming commonplace and I was like you know what I want to be a part of that let's do it so now I think that's going to be an added feature of the show from now on I hope maybe but um that's awesome for the listeners to understand, uh, you said that your pronouns are they, their, them, and you identify as non-binary. Is that is that accurate to say you identify as non-binary? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, we're in Pride Month, and uh, I'll just start from there. Do you have what is your relationship to Pride Month? I mean. I, I do go into a little bit of like the pride within your heart of who you are kind of thing, but also it is a marketing thing. There's pride. Mm-hmm. We're pride. We're here. And um, so what is your relationship with pride? Yeah. So my relationship with pride has changed a lot since I've moved back to Huntsville. Um, mm-hmm. For some background, I, I did grow up in the Huntsville, Alabama area. And then I left and lived in Columbus, Ohio for 10 years Mm -hmm. and Columbus, Ohio has a massive pride festival. Yeah. Um, I mean like gigantic booths everywhere. Um, and I hated it. I hated it. It was too big, too hot, too crowded. Um, I don't know. It just wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't enjoyable to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Nashville was the same. I then moved from Columbus to Nashville. Pride festival was huge. Um, And it was in Nashville where I started to really start to put together why I didn't enjoy Pride. And aside Mm -hmm. from the heat and um, the crowds, it was um, the corporate aspect of it. Yeah. That was when I really started to recognize the sort of corporate Pride phenomenon. So I'm I'm seeing a through line here with just the episode. So (laughs) I'll explain that. Yeah, I I imagine this is not... I'm not the first to say it and I won't be the last. Um, but now that I live in Huntsville, Huntsville's pride has, <laughs> has existed for um, maybe five years now, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. I didn't realize um, it was that new. It, it, 
they haven't had pride festivals. It's very new here in Huntsville, which means it's still very small mm-hmm. and it's very community based. Like it's yeah. um, last year, uh, the pride festival got rained out. Not last year. Cause last year was COVID the year before mm-hmm. um, the pride festival got rained out. Um, and by rained out, they just moved it into a big room at <laughs> um, like a brewery here. Oh, and the nice. whole thing could fit in a room. It was so small and I loved it. Yeah. Everything fit in this one large room. There were some booths in the hallway and I loved it because it was all local artists, um, local creatives, the local drag scene. There was no, no beer trucks, no corporate, you know, target wasn't there. All these insurance booths weren't there that you always see handing out this. It was, it was just truly like what community pride could look like you know uh-huh. once you remove the corporations out of it and it was so much fun it also helped that it was not as hot because it was in october <laughs> indoors so it was air conditioned right. um and not as crowded like you could sit and watch the drag show all day um and so you know now i feel like okay this is what pride month really should feel mm-hmm. like is being able to connect with members of your community and yeah. um pull away from like the corporate nonsense right well and it's so interesting because the first episode i did this uh this month was with ethan my partner and he and i have always had a very contentious relationship with pride because we met in alabama in birmingham and then we moved to new york city and so we did new york city pride and now we're in los angeles and the title of that episode was Pride. It's a complicated relationship. And I thought that was just personal mm-hmm. to me and my little partner in our little home. And I, because I was saying that um, it's very, we feel very self-conscious at Pride in New York and in LA, especially because all the marketing for that is really, really buff white gay men. And that's mm-hmm. it. And yes, I am a white gay man, but I like it's, we've experienced this in both cities where I, I have a bit of a dad bod and people, you know, there are certain groups of people who look at me and Ethan's pretty skinny and not musk, not as muscular. So we have very, you know, polarizing body types versus what you see on the gay pride um, posters and everything. And I'm like, there have been times when people look at us like we are just like complete filth. Why are we even deigning to exist? Because we're so ugly kind of thing and I'm just like well and I don't believe any to any of that I don't buy into any of that in a personal way but it's like is that what you believe gay pride is because I'm very body positive I'm very sex positive I'm very like this is my body and I love it and it's great but I won't go somewhere where you know yada yada I won't rehash the whole episode you can go listen to it (laughs) but then last week uh my friend Kyle who is a transgendered man um said that he his experience of pride was that they charged admission to the festival and i was like they charged admission and then he said he couldn't get in one year he said they said we've sold out you can't come in and i'm like well that's not very inclusive so and then now you're telling me (laughs) that it was like too corporate and too um too like yeah there was just a presence of corporateness so i'm like okay so that's interesting. We are. I'm seeing this through line that we're all like, you forgot about the people who actually go and need and want to feel communicate community. <laughs> it seems like yeah. to the pride powers that be. 
Um, and it's not generalized to any one location. You had Columbus. So in, in that, we've had Los Angeles, New York, Columbus, and Nashville. All big cities. So that's very interesting. Mission. Yeah, I was like, what? Because I've never done Pride here. Because we haven't done Pride in the three years we lived in New York. One of which being 2020. So that really doesn't count. So two years. <laughs> um, but yeah, they charged admission. I was like, oh my gosh. That's so... It, I just don't understand, like, what's what's the whole purpose of this? I said, do we know if the money went to a good cause, at least? Or mm. is it just to some corporate entity? Um. So, yeah, so you still go to Huntsville Pride, though. Yes. Yeah, Um. I do plan to go this year. They are having some fundraiser events in the month of June to set up for the festival in October. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm planning to go to those because it does feel... As long as it, because I guess the thing too is like, um, the thing about corporate pride or these large scale pride events is that they do ultimately cater to this sort of capitalist drive of like, mm -hmm. you know, our money is just as good as anybody else's money. Right. Um, and I think part of why Huntsville Pride in particular appeals to me is this sort of distinction that I've personally developed between like this sort of homonormative idea of wanting what the straight people have and mm -hmm. um and that sort of scenario versus like really like being okay with being outside of those expectations you know yeah and i feel like pride has become sort of a place where like yeah, they plaster rainbows on, on everything, all of this stuff, but they still want it to be palatable to straight people. And they still want yeah. to invite straight folks to show up and, and, and invite all of us to just kind of spend money, mm -hmm. but not necessarily like speak. Cause I'm, I'm sure you're seeing this, right? Like PayPal changes their logo to rainbow, whatever, whatever, but PayPal mm -hmm. doesn't let trans folks change their names without all kinds of hoopla. Yeah. But if you get married, they'll let you change your name super easily. Right. You know, and then this, this whole double standard of like, we want queer money or we want LGBTQ money, but we don't actually know what the community wants or right. cares about. Well, and it was interesting because in New York, I had a friend and she was an older, older lesbian lady who, um, she was, she and I, I was young, younger, mid twenties at this time. And I, I think I don't agree with myself back then now in the fact that she was like, I can't believe that Wells Fargo has a float in the, in the pride March. And I was like, why? And she said, because it's all become so corporate and so this and that. And I, and I sort of naively and maybe not naively, maybe, you know, best case scenario, I was like, well, it's visibility and it's acceptance. Like if you, everybody's got a Wells Fargo debit card in their pocket, like, and your bank is now saying gay people are great. And so, and, and LGBTQ people are great, but I think it would, you know, it would get into the weeds a little bit if we started going into the transgender and non-binary and, and, um, intersexual and everything. But that was my stance then. But then now I'm starting to see like, no, it's worthless. It's, it's money service. If it weren't popular to do that, would you still do that kind of thing? And probably not. So sure. it's all an opportunity for money, like you said, but, um. But I yeah, don't, I so. don't know that that's really naive, though. You know, I, I do think it's worth because like, I mean, you and I grew up in Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. And and there was 
no representation, right, as we were growing up, right. and even less before then, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's some nuance to be had about to have visibility does mean a lot. And I know it definitely meant a lot when I was a teenager, you know, as I was coming into my identity and seeing the rainbow flags and mm-hmm. and all of the the memorabilia and stuff like that meant something to me to be like, oh, I'm allowed to exist outside of, you know, my bedroom. Like I can be queer out here. Right. Um, it's just definitely not the last step. And I think <laughs> right. that's where folks are like, well, pride is great and gay marriage is legal. So we're done. And yeah. it, really, there's still more to go. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's and, and that comes back to yeah having just really complicated feelings about pride because I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it exists. Mm-hmm. And like young folks who are just starting to come out or folks who grow up in areas like bug tussle, you know, or like, yeah. <laughs> uh, who had no exposure to, to LGBTQ folks until they got to go to any city that had any, right. like, that's so important too. Um, it's just also really important for me to like, for, to express to folks, like, I love pride and I did go to pride in Nashville and I did go to pride in Columbus and I'll keep going to pride in Huntsville. It just mm-hmm. can't end there. Like that, right. that isn't like the culmination of, of what we have left to do and, yeah, and how mean- we can celebrate ourselves. And maybe, maybe, because I mean, I don't know, I just sort of feel like that was the whole point of this show for me is I feel like I want to put the conversations I'm having in private out in public because you just never know who else is listening and who can be like, oh, okay, there are people out there that feel like I do. And I I thought I was going to get this wide swath of like, I love pride, I hate pride, and somewhere in the middle, and everybody so far has had the exact same feeling about pride in the fact that, and and that's that I, it was me and Ethan who grew up in, a, in rural Alabama, you who've been all over the Midwest and South and New York, so it's been everything, and everybody's like, oh, I it's it's complicated, so... Maybe maybe we're we're unknowingly stumbling upon a turning point maybe. somewhere. I don't know, but um, I would like to go back into some of your history, just to um, just to sort of unpack it and and get to know you better because you and I we are we're like the left hand and the right hand of Sarah Cooper. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because we're friends ish i mean i I say friends ish because we've never had any negative experiences of one another of one another to my to my knowledge yeah i agree with that but um we we never really got the opportunity to spend any real time together but but we know each other fairly well through our mutual best friend sarah cooper who is friend of the show and you know been around and very opinionated just like the rest of us so um to make so you are non-binary you identify as non-binary but also um to just for the listeners because it is a podcast you are of asian descent correct yes your family heritage is asian um so i'm sure that being non-white makes a lot of other things complicated too like you you live at like the busiest intersection (laughs) of of the LGBTQ community, it seems if, or it would be assume, assumable. <laughs> it's yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, there's some intersections going on and I think growing up, I may have had some experiences, particularly with coming out that mm-hmm. reflected um, the culture that my mother grew up in. My mother is from Korea um, and therefore, you know, some of the culture that my sister and I grew up in Um 
I think like, I think (laughs) my mother, um, when I went to college, there's this running joke, right. That, you know, you young women go to college and they become lesbians for a while and then they graduate and it's fine. (laughs) Whatever lesbians until college. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mother was convinced that I would go to college and meet, um, a straight young man and, would find my heterosexuality and all this other stuff. And instead mm. I ended up coming out as, uh, as non-binary halfway through college. And I was like, <laughs> Nope, it's actually making it worse. Um, so can I stop you there for a second, just to sort of um, unpack it a little bit. So you were assigned the gender female at birth, correct? Correct. And uh, so I'm, I, I, I don't really know because I've only, I've known you who you are today is who I met essentially um, 10 years ago, the person, the way that you identify now is who I met. You were identifying that way when I met you. I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm very wordy. Um, but so you identified as female at one point and you identified as lesbian at one point, meaning you were also attracted to females, correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. So we're just getting, I'm getting the listeners caught up. And then wh- at what point did you, and what was, what was the journey from identifying as female and being attracted to females to being non-binary. What was that journey? Like what, take us on that journey a little. Sure. Um, yeah. So it, I can, I think I can say now that I never really embraced feeling like a girl. Like I was told I was a girl mm-hmm. and I knew I wasn't a boy and those were the only options I'd been presented with. So I just kind of rolled with what I was being told. Yeah. Um, And so logically, as I came to understand, um, you know, crushes and attraction and all of that good stuff, I recognized that I was developing stronger feelings for girls Mm -hmm. than I was for boys. And I was still like attracted to, to boys. Um, and I actually had, it was actually Sailor Moon, the, not so much the TV show because that got edited <laughs> so that the lesbians were cousins, but the oh, manga. Wow. Did you know that? I, <laughs> I didn't just, know that. I thought yeah. So in the original Sailor Moon uh, anime, they I got to watch it as it was coming out in the U.S. So there was no precedent for that mm-hmm. until they got to the season where two of the ma- of the main characters are partners. They are romantically involved and. The U.S. decided, no, can't have that in a cartoon. Let's make mm-hmm. them cousins instead, which was alarming because they didn't edit a lot of the footage or anything. So they're still doing very lesbian things, but calling each other cuz. And it was oh my very bizarre. <laughs> um, and around that time, I was like, this is interesting. This is strange. Um, and I got to read the manga, too, because thankfully my parents didn't really screen a lot of what I was reading. It just, if I said I liked it, they were like, great. And let me have it. (laughs) And at one point I was reading one of the manga where Sailor Uranus kisses Sailor Moon. And these are both female characters. And my father saw that and went, are they lesbians? And I looked at him and I'm like in fourth grade or something. And I went, what are lesbians? (laughs) And then he had to teach me what lesbians are, what what lesbian meant. Um, (laughs) And from there it was, it was all over. I (laughs) got to like, and through the manga, the manga also explicitly names one character as bi-gender. They explicitly say that she embodies 
both like male and female aspects. She actively switches between masculine and feminine presentation and even switches pronouns. Mm-hmm. And this was the point where I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to pick one of the other. Yeah. Um, but I didn't officially come out as non-binary until much later in life. Right. Through high school, I was still working with the labels I understood. So I knew I was not straight. So I used lesbian for a while, but even that didn't feel right because that does still connotate my gender being female. Right, exactly. And- and that didn't feel quite right for me. And I will say this, there are non-binary lesbians out there. Um, like now I have a much more nuanced understanding of, but you know, in 2002 or however old I was in Alabama, I was like, I don't know. I just know right now lesbian doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So then I switched to gay. Um, and then bisexual was in there at one point like i was just playing with the labels until finally i was like i don't know i just yeah (laughs) and then at the end of the day dating's hard so who cares Um, (laughs) that part though (laughs) right like that part is universal um and then finally when i got to college is when i started to really expand my understanding of what gender could be and what sexuality could be and even what like labels and self-identification could be Mm -hmm. um you know, there's the whole conversation of bisexual versus pansexual and what does each mean and aren't they the same or, and ultimately it's like, you know what, just find what feels good. Mm -hmm. Um, Non-binary felt good. Queer feels good. And so finally in my early twenties, I kind of landed there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I really like the ambiguity of it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I can break down like my sexuality is this or my romantic attraction is that, but at the end of the day, it's like, eh. Well, and we did that in the last episode, Kyle and I, we kind of talked about it and I've never, I never really thought I was going to talk about it on this podcast because it just really doesn't matter to my listeners. I wouldn't think, but I, but for visibility's sake, again, I I did, we were talking about, he said that he felt, um, and I'm not speaking out of turn because you can listen to the previous episode and hear him say it yourself. He said, um, he is transgender male and he is romantically straight. So he only romantically feels feelings for women and he is sexually bisexual. And so I was like, and I was like, I know for a fact that there are people in bug tussle listening to this episode and their heads are just like (laughs) oozing right out of their ears. Like, what is this? And so I was like, I'm going to go ahead and go a little bit further that I identify as polyamorous um, and then, of course, taking on that li- label, um, people a- automatically make assumptions about what that means for you. And they're like, what do you mean? Are you Mormon? You got wives everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, please stop. <laughs> this is swinger. not a per- I'm like, yeah. I never thought I would would defend a religion, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not them. Right. But um, so that was going to be my next question. Do you I mean how do you do you even try to identify sort of your attractions to a gender or do you take on a label of pansexual bisexual or do you just it's not really anybody's business but yours kind of thing yeah well a little both again i think you know there's a lot of nuance there i value what i call micro labels as far as like one like you we were saying visibility right? Folks being able to find each other and, and being able to share similar experiences. Um, and also just like, it also helps 
sometimes with setting boundaries in relationships, especially mm-hmm. sexual relationships. Um, I um, identify as panromantic, mm-hmm. but demisexual. So I will develop romantic feelings for anybody. Um, <laughs> but I, I do not, I cannot experience sexual attraction until we've develop some kind of romantic attraction first right um and that's you know, and what was that called again demisexual demisexual because that's kind yeah. of fairly new to me because and that's something i want people to understand too that that we are all like we are in a i just feel like there's a space created where anybody can sort of etch out their little place in the world and if you feel like you need a label to help you define define it for your own self then that's okay. And that, and like, I've worked really hard to say gay out loud and really, and I'm still working on the poly thing and I'm still, you know, there's, I'm working on my own thing and like, and you're working on your own thing. And while we're working on our own thing, there could be other labels that come up that define something. And I think that people need to know that it's hard for everybody to keep up, but it's not hard for everybody to respect. So Like, I don't know what, like, I didn't know what demisexual was. Now that you've told me, I respect the hell out of it. And that's great. And I respected it before you told me. And that's okay, too. Um, So demisexual, is that what that means? That you need romantic feelings before naturally a sexual attraction will develop? To me, that's what it means. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, my relationship to that. So I, um, I remember, um... You had gone by a different name when I very, very, very first met you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was, I believe it was your your assigned name at birth. Um, do you consider that a, a dead name or what was the journey of your name? If I can go into that. And if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah we can talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was another thing where my legal name at the time was a cool name. Mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't feel like mine. Um, and I tried variations of my legal name. So I think by the time you and I met, we were going by, a, I was going by a variation of my legal name. Yeah, it was the, I, rem- I met you as the first letter of your legal name. Okay. Yeah, um, that's what I met you as. And I'm actually okay with talking about this. I mean, and, and of course, like, and I definitely appreciate like being asked if it's cool to talk about it. Cause obviously not every queer person, every trans person loves right. talking with their dead name. But... Well, like, and like last week, um, Kyle, he's like, you will not hear me. He's like, you can dig pretty deep and find my dead name because I was, a, I was a college athlete, but you will not hear me say my dead name. And so I don't know what my very good friend's dead name is. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't care. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. So, but I do, but it is interesting for people who don't understand and haven't been encountered with this. So, yeah, for sure. And I'm personally pretty comfortable with talking about my dead name. So my dead name um, is Bianca Mm -hmm. and I went by V, I think when we met Mm -hmm. and then I I was going by Vian for a while and even Vian, which is like a gender neutral name. I mean, I looked it up and it, it meant something. I can't remember what it means now, but it was a gender neutral name. And, but it still didn't feel quite right. Um, especially yeah. because one, it was sort of being treated like a nickname, but I couldn't, I still couldn't get people to adhere to it, which was really frustrating because my sister's name is Jessica 
And people mm-hmm. call her Jessie all the time. Right. But man, I cut the the last two letters of my name off and suddenly it's like, <laughs> I'm asking the world. So I was like, fine, I'm just going to change it. Um, so I did, and I did do the thing where I was on baby name websites, like trying to find a name that meant something that was important to right. me, um, but was also gender neutral. And, and even um, the spelling has, has um, this is the nerd in me, you spell it A-L-Y-X. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Y-X, I love it. It's both yes. genders and neither gender. It's, yes. it's fantastic. I, is, I wanted to was clear that the name. calculated to, to um, have both a nun in, in, the, in your name? I, I, I did. Well, I didn't think of it in terms of like chromosomes or anything like that, but I did think like, I want to queer this name, you yeah. know, uh, everyone sees it, EX, some folks do IX, but as I was looking at it, I was like, I'm gonna put a Y in there. <laughs> it's a queer letter to me, you know, it's near it. the end of the alphabet. It's, is it a vowel? Is it a consonant? It's a little of both. So I, mm-hmm. I, I like the, you know, the non-binariness of just the letter Y. So I was like, let's just throw a Y in there. Right. Um, I do like that yeah. because I have a Y, an L and a Y, YL in my name. And I'm like, I like that I have a Y and a K. You don't hear a whole lot of Ks. So I'm like, I like that. But um, yeah. but I will say, uh, I, I said this about Kyle on last episode as well. And I was like, just kind of wrapping my head around the fact that you are transgender. I said, I cannot fathom you being anybody or... I, presenting any way other than what you present now and he was like well thank you and and the same with you like i i met you as v but i i don't even remember i don't remember when how whatever that we started calling you alex that i was just like it just seemed so right like it was like aha you found it and and it and it does it was just like i cannot like it was locked that's it their name is alex and throughout your journey did you did you ever feel transgender or feel like that might be something that was right for you or would like you said you didn't feel male and that's what transgender is you're identified and you were assigned a gender at birth based on anatomy and that is not who you are and so you transition you never felt that um i think that gets a little complicated i do identify as trans oh Um, do you i do feel like transgender to me what transgender feels like is anything that's not cisgender basically mm-hmm. right um so if you are assigned a gender at birth and that rocks for you your entire life great but if any other experience outside of that you are transing gender right like you you're yeah. experiencing and so i do i do identify as falling under the trans umbrella mm-hmm. um you know it's not a direct binary for me i didn't you know transition directly from female to male um and i don't plan to do that yeah um and i I think it's important to note that not all trans people do you know not all Mm -hmm. trans people and we talked about that on the last episode i'm so glad you're bringing it up because kyle made the distinction between um between identifying trans but the transition in your identity and transition in your biology or yes you know so and and he he was saying that those are two different things because he explained that he could not biologically transition because he was on a softball scholarship Mm -hmm. and that would have screwed up his whole education so he transitioned very early in college but waited until after college to do the biological transition and 
it sounds like that you have transitioned to a space that works for you and you don't plan to biologically transition because the body you're driving around, the vehicle by which you're getting around this planet on works just fine for you. Um, a little bit. I do have some plans for medical transition. Okay. Um, and, and so, and you'll see this sometime now when you look up references for like top surgery or something that it mm-hmm. used to be like FTM or MTF surgeries, but now you'll also see, yeah. like, I was looking up top surgery resources the other day and they specified that FTM, so female to male or FTN, female to non-binary top surgery looks oh, wow. like this. And then MTF or MT. N top surgery looks like this mm-hmm. um, and is recognizing that like, you know, obviously like there are secondary sex characteristics that get associated with certain genders. But at the end of the day, like I can be comfortable with some parts of my body and want to transition other parts of my body. Mm-hmm. And it's still a non-binary body. Right. Um, I could want to change nothing in my body and it's still a non-binary body. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and everyone's pr- plans, are different what that medical transition looks mm-hmm. like will be different and of course could change like i don't have plans to take hormones now mm-hmm. that could change in five years i don't know maybe right. after i get my top surgery i'll be like okay now let's let's do something else um mm-hmm. to queer things up so um but yeah again just like everything else in in queer landia like nothing's s- s- like super straightforward right there's a lot right. of nuance in there mm-hmm. um and so I do, and I feel comfortable talking about that too. It's just like, I do have plans finally to pursue top surgery here in about a year. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> hopefully, that, knock on wood. Right. Let's, let's hope everything, uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'm thinking in terms of the world. Like, I'm like, can we just get on with things? Come on now. I know. T- take a vaccination. I'm, let's get on with things. <laughs> I, right. I'm like, I'm vaxxed. Fix it. But also like insurance and right, like, exactly. healthcare in the U.S. is already bad. Yeah. And then if you're trans or you're queer, it's mm-hmm. like, but. Well, and I did do an episode of the podcast that I, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a spiritual person. Like I, I do believe things happen for a reason. I believe that there's something that's connecting all humans. I'm not necessarily like, I don't like to like stamp it on a religion type thing, but I'm like, there's something connecting us. And I did an episode with a trans friend who we were not in contact anymore, but I did ask him, I, I asked their permission and he said it was okay. But I went into, I did some very invasive questions of like top surgery, bottom surgery. Is this something that you're going to do? Is this not something? You're, and he went into an explanation of everything. And the episode wound up with, if had people heard it, they would have known a lot of his anatomy and a lot of his personal information. And then somehow the episode just got lost. And, oh. and I was like, and, and I was thinking like, maybe that's best. I don't think I want to do that. Like I, it felt like it felt good that he was so open and it felt good to have a conversation with someone. But then I've trend my, my thinking has transitioned to that's nobody's business. I don't like that. I don't like to. And so like, there was no Kyle on last episode. He was like, I did have biological transition, but he didn't go into detail. And I'm like, well, you can Google that. You can Google what a transition is. You don't need that on this episode. And and that was something I made very um, clear in the episode. And I make very clear in my life because I've had this conversation with people. Um, you don't have to know what kind of genitalia someone has to respect their wishes of what their preferred pronouns, what their preferred names 
you know, if they, if they have a dead name, then that's not your business unless they make it your business type thing. So, um, I really appreciate you going there with, with a little bit, cause I feel like you did the nuanced, you, you gave us a little bit more nuance in this vein of non-binary and that's, I, I, I just appreciate that. So thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, my pleasure. Because I I will say in my life, and I think I think Sarah wouldn't mind me speaking about this. If if she does mind, then the first episode in July will be her coming on the show and berating me for saying this. But um, I think we look to you. I know I do um, through Sarah and on and through social media, and sometimes just reaching out to you directly because you are so knowledgeable. Because um, you do the work. You you do the work to to get to know the community, but also learn the terms, learn the laws, learn the, the, what is acceptable and what, what you just know a lot more than most people do about gender and sexuality. And I appreciate you for that because it helps so much (laughs) when we're all just running around trying to get it right. Oh, I appreciate that. It, I mean, a lot of it does come from just the own self-reflect, my own self-reflection that I was doing mm-hmm. um, to try and figure myself out because, um, you know, I didn't have much in the way of like role models. There certainly weren't many in the way of non-binary role models when we were in our early 20s, right? Or our teens. Right. Um, and much less like trans model role models in general. There were some gay folks out there, but then we were finding out that like, oh, Ellen DeGeneres is actually really mean and all of this other stuff, right? <laughs> you know, like, you just can't have heroes. Um, right. Oh my gosh. I've, I've been saying that because she <laughs> she showed up. I'll say this. I, I, it's all running downhill because I work I work for a nonprofit. I work for Sean, Pro, Sean Penn's nonprofit core helping to vaccinate LA. And I was at Dodger Stadium, which at one point was the world's largest vaccination site. And Ellen DeGeneres showed up and I'm going to call her out. I'm just going to call her out a little bit Do because it. on her show that day, she showed up, she like did a whole piece showing us out there vaccinating and everything. And then she said, everybody at that site that day is getting tickets to 12 days of giveaways. I've received nothing. I have no <laughs> ticket to 12 days of giveaways. And I'm like, do not be a lying lesbian, Ellen. I need my <laughs> ticket. So <laughs> there's stuff. And I'm like, so I'm calling you out. But people are like, yeah, she's ending her show. Everybody says she's a bitch. And I'm like, she d- people just live too long these days. You you got to get your legacy going and then get just, out. Right. <laughs> so, and like, set up that persona and then retire. Right. Because, like, look at Bill Cosby. I'm like, he was America's dad until he touched everybody. Right. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So, it's true. And, and I would love to do have you back at some point in the future and maybe – because I want to explore visibility again. Like you said, you didn't have role models that was going through what you're going through. You had eventually lesbian role models. And now, just now, we're starting to get visibility on very, um, I guess, and correct me if this is the wrong term, very binary trans people. Like we are seeing female to male trans people or male to female trans people in certain areas of of um of social or pop culture and shows and stuff like that but we're still not seeing intersections so much they we're still like media still wants it really defined you know you can be assigned gender at birth and then you need to be a different gender but we need to define that would you agree with that 
Um, I do think more and more non-binary folks are starting to come out. Um, but I would say that the non-binary folks who are coming out, like celebrities who are coming out, mm-hmm. are being inspired by, you know, the everyman or the every yeah. person, you know, the Tumblr communities and the the young queer folk, especially like Gen Z queer folk, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I believe it was Demi Lovato just came out yeah. as non-binary. They just came out um, as non-binary. Sam as well. Smith has come out. Um, Ezra Miller. Um, so there are, you know, and I th- and that's another thing too is um, sort of breaking down what people expect non-binary people to look like. Yeah. Um, I think if you name Ruby Rose, people are like, oh yeah, obviously Ruby yeah. Rose is non-binary um, because she's like kind of androgynous, masculine leaning, mm-hmm. but still f- feminine in some, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and for some reason, like you have to push androgyny to be a suitable non-binary person, but like Demi Lovato is high femme, still valid, yeah. you know? I mean, that's, and that's um, okay. And I mean, yeah, not that that, like, not that she needs my permission to be, that's okay. But I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it feels, it feels right. Like when people, it's starting to feel more comfortable because I will say this too. And I, I want people to um, understand that if you do meet someone who's non-binary and, and I want you to speak on this, I don't want to speak for a non-binary person or a non-binary community, but I had some trouble with your pronouns. Um, when I, when, when it's a few years back, I've started having trouble with I, you, you were in my conversations with Sarah and you start, we started hanging out, you know, on zoom calls and stuff because of COVID and everything. And I, and I will, I'll say, I didn't have like internal struggles with your pronouns. I had memory struggles with your pronouns to where I would use dead pronouns at times. And thankfully, is that, is that the correct term? Dead pronouns or I guess um, wrong yeah, pronouns? Yeah, that's fine. Or just incorrect pronouns. Incorrect pronouns. pronouns. I would. And um, I would use incorrect pronouns just off chance. And I, and it, and I hated it. I like, it felt so bad because I felt like I was so disrespectful. And thankfully we have a very loud best friend every t- if I ever did it, <laughs> I would, I would, I would say, I would say the incorrect pronoun and Sarah would be like, day, they you say they and i'm like okay okay okay, okay. i got it i got it i'm so sorry oh, i really hate Sarah. this I, and i love that she did that because you only need to be yelled at by someone who cares that much so many times before you're like i'm not doing that again <laughs> so <laughs> but i do want people to know that i had trouble with the memory of it like because we do get in these patterns of of how we associate with people. I just want people to know that I had trouble with it. And and it wasn't because I had disagreed with it. It was because it just came out. And so, um, what is your relationship to that? Like being mis mispronounned? Um, I mean, unfortunately it's, it's still sort of a fact of life and it will always be a fact of life. Um, particularly for folks who can't, who want to pick one or the other, they want she or he. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've run into it like every sort of, conversation you can possibly have about the singular they pronoun specifically mm-hmm. um for most people like 99.99 percent of the time if someone uses the wrong pronoun i know it's a memory mistake mm-hmm. i know or like a force of habit you know because yeah. pronouns become very automatic um once we've associated them with people which is why like the more you practice eventually the correct pronouns do become automatic it's just that switch over mm-hmm. so most of the time especially i mean among people that like my friends my family my coworkers, 
it's a very easy, like, you know, if they say she, I'll say they, they'll go, thank you, they, and then we move on. Yeah. Um, and that's easy. And that's all that needs to be, by the way. Right. Folks, don't make a big deal about messing up people's pronouns. Right. <laughs> it's weird. And then it don't puts the onus on- the people. <laughs> truly. Well, and then it puts the onus on me to tell you, oh, it's okay, it's okay. But really, it's right. not okay yeah. to mispronoun exactly. me. Um, and so- there's that. Um, but I do have to accept at some point that I work in public service, right? Specifically, um, I work with people all day and I have a pronoun pin, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to expect everybody to see it or care. And I'm certainly expecting people to like openly object, you know, like internally object to it. Right. Um, and at that point, it's sort of like, well, I mean, if you're a complete stranger, I'm never, you know, I don't care. I don't know you from Adam. You call me whatever mm-hmm. you want and then you do your thing and I'm going to do mine. Um, but I make a point of not establishing relationships with people who refuse to get it right. Right. Um, who want to throw any kind of grammatical argument at me because for one, you're wrong. And for two, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like I could make, I could use neo pronouns and you still need to respect those. Right. Um, you could hate my guts and you still need to respect my mm-hmm. pronouns and my gender. Well, and that's why like, it's so funny because um, there is, it's known now that Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor of, of California. And <laughs> uh, we are, we, we, the queer community out here are making it a very point, poignant argument that yes, Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor and yes, you have to use her appropriate pronouns. And to that, I say, please don't vote for her because (laughs) we don't claim her, but we still respect her gender and her. I did not like her dead identity so much. I don't love her living identity right now because she's just problematic. So, yes. but I respect the hell out of her ability to a run for president or run for governor. Cause Hey, I mean, sure. It's your prerogative. And I respect her even more for what she did, what she has done for just being of a certain age and saying, look, this is who I am and it's never too late. So I yeah. do respect that, but um, yeah, credit where credit is due, you know, you don't see a lot of folks who come out late um, as trans and yeah. you don't see a lot of folks. And I, I will give her credit for this. I'll give her credit for really coming out and making sure that people understand that trans folk or queer folk or LGBT folk are not a monolith. Yeah. You know, like, like no community is a monolith. Mm-hmm. We run the gamut of political expressions and, right. and race identities and ability <laughs> and disability and all of these things. So, right. Well, and that's what I've always said. You hear one gay person's story, you've heard one gay person's story. That's it. You, there's so many more. One trans person's story, one binary person's story. That's just it. That's their story. And that's the beauty of it is that everybody has a story to tell. And, you and you and another binary person or me and another gay per, gay male may be standing at sort of very similar spots in our lives right now but how we got there is probably just vastly different and that's fantastic that's the beauty of it all that's that's why i wanted to do you know this pride month thing i was like i'm going to do I want to explore my own world like cuz you're my friend and i'm like i have people that are so vastly different um, here in, uh, in my own community, in my own family, you know, chosen family dynamic kind of place. 
um, like next week, I am excited about next week's episode because I'm talking to Ethan's best friend, who is Ethan's Sarah, Mandy Shannara. Um, she is a bisexual married to a man woman <laughs> and she's a monogamous and and she's all and she was kind of telling me the other day that she didn't quite feel like she had she had any kind of ownership stake in pride because she was so heteronormative with her life and i'm like oh we're gonna explore this and coincidentally she lives in columbus georgia or columbus ohio so um so th- i'll have to bring some of your perspectives to her because she's like where the hell do introverted gays go this is Honestly, great this is madness so it's yeah it's, well, it's hard to find anybody and especially columbus ohio was a very like like you were describing the buff gay white male yeah like poster child mm-hmm. columbus was very much like that everybody else was like Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right. around here somewhere i just don't know where there, to find yeah, you through I all mean, these poster boys like and i'm just like wh- d- d- i moved to la do i have to wear a speedo and sit on a yacht somewhere or can i just like go to coffee i don't know right. so um but i will say this too i did the research because i was kind of like i had to i had to do my journey with the with the floral singular pl- pronoun situation in victorian times they and them was regularly and insistently used for singular people that you don't know yep that's it yep. we just have to take you love it you love turning it back to yesteryear let's do it yes <laughs> so, yeah especially if you um, want to go like well grammatically i'm like okay chaucer invented the common english language and used to singular they so right that's it come at me <laughs> that's it so um so yeah what um i want to explore things beyond that so what is your specific stamp on your life of what you like to do in your free time and like what do you read what do you what do you spend your time doing what do you spend your money on (laughs) target rainbow things no um (laughs) let's see well i work at a public library i will say that so i do like i spend most of my time there um and I do really enjoy it. I'm just now starting to get back into reading for pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think college really burned me out on that. I studied English literature and um, English literature mostly meant British and like early U.S. literature. And at some point <laughs> I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can I love only read. study it. You study it and you're like, I want to make my life out of this. And you go to the library and they're like, what are you reading? You're like, I'm burned out. I'll help you find the book you need. <laughs> so, right. Like, or I what, or- you reading list titles. Um, and that's probably a whole conversation to be had about like what's ca- considered like canonical literature in the U.S. and yeah. how it's all written by a very specific demographic um, of you know older straight white men who mm-hmm. have had the privilege of being able to sit and write all the time. Um, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love it! You know, and I was like, at some point, I was like, dang, like I'm bored. So now I'm I'm reading. I'm starting to read some more fiction again, um, and I'm specifically making a point of reading stuff that is non-canonical and written by people of color. Um, mm. So it's sort of my journey right now is trying to get caught up on some of that good contemporary literature. Right. Um, let's see. I got into D and D over the quarantine. <laughs> like a lot of people did. I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I had started playing Dungeons and Dragons with a friend in Nashville for a while. And I was actually physically driving up to Nashville every other weekend um 
but that campaign fell apart partly because the other players like weren't super invested and were like canceling last minute, which sucked because I was driving up from Huntsville and then they were like, why are you waiting until 15 minutes before the game to cancel now? Yeah. I have to, you know, um, but now I'm on an online game um, with the same DM actually, but with totally different people, all queer group, you know, you can find all the queers you want on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so we have this like all queer D and D game and I'm, that's a lot of fun. Everyone should play a really good D&D game at least once in their life. You know, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons at all, ever. And and I've th- th- it's like so random, the things I haven't done. Last night, I played beer pong for the first time at the age of 34. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, and I lost. And I was like, well, I hate this well, because yeah. I'm Did a competitive have- person several years of practice i mean yes if that was your first time it was actually it was actually kyle griswold and he was in college sports so yeah he had some practice doing there you go (laughs) um doing uh beer pong but yeah maybe you know and that's me i'm always on the lookout for something new to do so like maybe i'm like maybe dungeons and dragons is what i need to be doing um I did over the quarantine buy a kit that helps you to uh, crochet little dolls of the Golden Girls. <laughs> Stop. That's adorable. I was like, I want to do this. And I opened it up. I was like, this is very complicated. Oh, so, so it's still cute. sitting in the box. But I'm like. I was just about I to want- ask you, where are your Golden Girls? <laughs> I don't have any of them yet. But I want it. But I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get Even if I hate crocheting, I'm going to do all the Golden Girls on their couch, which comes, the patterns come in the kit. And then I'll quit because I have to have these cute little old ladies sitting on my shelf now. Um, so, yeah, I, you never know. Maybe sometime in the summer I'll be like, hey, Alex, let's do some D&D. Hey, there we go. With the queer community. I want to do only queer D&D. I'm not doing straight people D&D. That just sounds like a terrible time for everybody. (laughs) So. (laughs) Like everything's fantasy and everything's queer and nothing hurts. That's it. Well, I live in Burbank now. And do you know that there is, it's interesting. I'm not saying this to get political. It's just a little point of reference. It's interesting how many gay Republicans live in Burbank, California. That's all. Um, so I believe it. <laughs> well, I is there anything that like any nuances of non-binary that we haven't touched on today that you're like, you know what, this is what people need to know about too, or did we do a good meandering through it all? You know, I think we meandered pretty well. Um, <laughs> I will say, I guess to go back to that the whole concept of respect, you know, there are non-binary folks who use she her pronouns or he him pronouns they're again non-binary folks who don't medically transition Mm -hmm. um and you know at the end of the day i hope what comes out of specifically being queer is really embracing a lot of that that gray area and Mm -hmm. breaking down these like really strict categories um journeying into what sexual like sexual relationships can mean and what romantic relationships can mean um valuing platonic relationships you know we talk about Mm -hmm. polyamory what that can mean and how those relationships can manifest because i because you know like people love to they hear polyamorous and they immediately think orgy well no i mean you can have platonic relationships in there um and that's what my my cross-section is that is what where my polyamory comes in mostly platonic stuff yeah and so yeah that is it's interesting but um 
Yeah, I just I hope folks feel empowered to like well, explore. And do you feel powerful? Because I I was talking about this with somebody. I feel so powerful because I grew up in Alabama, rural Alabama, and I was taught you got to be a boy, you got to you got to do masculine things. You're running too femininely, you're standing too femininely. Don't cross your legs like that cuz women cross their legs like that. Yada yada yada. And then eventually when I broke through that ceiling of just oppression and just said, I'm gay. I can be as feminine as I want to be fem- be and as masculine as I want to be. And, and now I, I identify as man, I identify as male and I, my pronouns are he, him, but I have so much feeling of power that I can be as feminine as I damn well want to be. And I'm just like, well, if I'm being feminine wearing pearls and heels, but I identify as a man, well, this is what's masculine. So there you go. This is my version of masculinity and femininity. Because, And do you feel that way with non-binary, that it's just so powerful? Because there's no constraints anymore yeah. um, in that way. Yeah, I do feel empowered just, which is kind of funny, like going back to the right labels. Like, But once you find that label that's like, oh, I'm non-binary and that means anything and everything I do. Like I have my nails painted and I brush my hair, you know, I colored my hair and mm-hmm. I match my masks with my shirt and all this other stuff, yeah. um, which probably reads as like pretty effeminate to folks, but like, no, like I'm freed from that now. Like I get to do yeah. all of that and it's still non-binary and it, and it feels good. Like identifying as, as queer, like I actively enjoy it. Like I love being able to say that I'm queer. And I'm starting to embrace that that label a little more just because I thought it was very gay, this, that, like, I'm a gay Democrat, this is what's happening, you know. And now it is starting to, like, you. it's just harder to hold on to the labels because there are so many vi- channels and variations in who you are as you grow older. And it just becomes a little queer, adjacent to queer sometimes. So I, I love meeting other identified queer people in my life and knowing them but um yeah so well thank you for coming on today and happy pride happy pride thank you so much for having me on oh my god well i'm my my head is bubbling i'm like what else can we do can we do another episode (laughs) i'm gonna get alex and jesse and sarah on here and we're just gonna have a great time can you imagine (laughs) having sarah and myself on here at the same time like the three of us like i'll be like guys it's still my show can y'all stop? we would never shut up <laughs> <laughs> well everybody have a happy pride month and if you're going to go to pride celebrations please make sure that you are vaccinated first so you're not spreading this god-awful pandemic virus and remember to wear your masks when when you're asked to and also remember to get back to some things you love like the movies or disneyland or the park or the water park if they're open. Um, Have a great day, guys. Bye.